Hey, and welcome to Empowering Women Through Sports. I am your host, Allison Ferguson. In this podcast, we'll hear from truly remarkable female athlete mentors and learn how sports are guiding them through life's journey. After all, sports teach life's great lessons on how to respond to adversity, teamwork, how to prepare for success, and resiliency. These skills are so relatable in life. Well, today we'll meet with Mary Osborne. Mary is a championship surfer. She founded Mary Osborne Surf Camps, Escapes, and Travel. But she's much more than a renowned surfer. Mary is a woman in sports advocate, environmentalist, model, businesswoman, and beautiful inside and out. Mary, hi. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Alison. Thank you for having me. Well, your life journey to date is so impressive and varied, and it all started from surfing. You've even built your career and life's work around it. What is it about surfing that you love so much? I think one of the most compelling things about surfing that drew me into it that I still use today when I talk to people about it is the fact that it's ever-changing. There's uh, no wave that's ever the same. There's a completely different experience every time you're out in the water surfing. Even if you're learning, it's just, it's always changing. It's not steady. That's kind of like life. <laughs> it's just like life. It just changes every day. You never know what curveballs are going to be thrown at you. Um, some days you have good days, some days you have bad days, but uh, for the most part, I think that's one of the most exciting things about surfing that um, it just draws you into it. And once you catch your first wave, you're just hooked. Oh, that's awesome. Well, when did you start? Did you always want to be a surfer? You know, I grew up on the beach in Ventura. Uh, I have three older brothers that all were phenomenal surfers and being the youngest girl of all the boys, I always wanted to kind of keep up with them and you know, try to do everything they were doing and do it a little bit better. And I just, I fell in love with it right off the first wave I caught at, you know, 12, 13 years old. That was it. Everything kind of changed. And I just fell in love with being out in the water. And your brother's ho hooting and hollering for you. <laughs> yeah, they're, they were hooting, hooting and hollering, but they, and we still do. And we battle in the water today. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, what are some important qualities about surfing that inspires you? Oh, gosh. Um, I think for me, like being out in the water, one of the most inspiring things is just being in Mother Nature. I mean, you're out there enjoying, you know, what God has put on this planet for us and, and being able to like breathe, see nature and, and then ride this natural wave that comes in with the swell. I love just being outside and like having fresh air and, and being able to do something active like surfing is, is like something I've never experienced in a different sport. And are you working on any skills right now for yourself? Like do you feel like you've gotten to a plateau or are you still working on, on your game? You know, it's funny. I, I don't compete anymore. I'm 38, almost 39. And, and I don't compete. I don't really have any desire to, I love still going to events and being a part of them, but now it's more um, learning more about myself and how I can incorporate my teaching skills um, with surfing and helping others out in the water. So um, I'm basically kind of just working on keeping my mind healthy, keeping my body healthy, and that way I can share the experiences I've had through surfing with others and then help them live kind of a healthier, more exciting lifestyle. Right. Over the years running surf camps, is there a story that you can share about someone who might have had a breakthrough or someone in your lessons or your retreats? Gosh, I mean, I, I've worked with so many different people. Um, the youngest I've taught was two and a half. The oldest I've taught was 75. 
every day out there is some type of breakthrough with a new student. Uh, the other day I had a autistic child who um, couldn't speak. It was, you know, really difficult to, to just get him to trust me to be out there in the water. He couldn't speak. He's not very active. And through sign language and through catching each wave and he immediately fell in love with it. You know, he started to trust me. He was so scared at first. He was crying and screaming and, and there is no communication. So it's just, you know, looking each other in the eyes and like trying to give that energy of trust out in the water. And he, after his first wave, he was hooked and wanted another one and another one. And, you know, through that, we have the whole family on the beach and they're bawling and watching this moment together. Um, and it's just, it wasn't just the student out in the water. It was the family. It was a breakthrough for the child and the whole family. So that's one of the, I think the most exciting things about surfing. It, it, everyone gets to watch it and be a part of it, whether you're out there or not. Well, I think that epitomizes somewhere I, you said that surfing is therapy. Yeah, it really is therapy. I wish I um, would have gone to school to become a therapist <laughs> because you really learn how to read people. And, um, you know, after a certain amount of time out in the water, they start to open up a bit more about their life and the challenges that they're going through. Some people may hold fears from when they're really young. Um, they may have a fear of the ocean. They may have a fear of sharks or maybe a drowning experience. Um, so sometimes it takes baby steps just getting a person out there and really like working through some of the, the issues or problems that they may have. Or not even problems. They're more like just mental blocks that you just kind of have to work through. Right. So some vulnerabilities, but being out in the water and feeling all of that, then maybe some of the inhibitions come away. Exactly. Exactly that. And it, once, eventually they'll kind of calm down and begin to trust not only me, but trust mother nature. Cause it is a scary thing to be out there, not um, being used to the ocean. And then themselves and their ability, right? I mean, if they, they do something that they thought they never could. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, getting someone out in the water for the first time, maybe they're not as physically active or, you know, they've never been in the ocean. There, there's definitely so many um, factors that happen. You know, it's like, okay, I haven't been working out. Oh, okay. I've never been in the water. Oh, I don't even know how to put a wetsuit on. I mean, there's all these different things that occur on land before you even get in the water and all these fears and thoughts. And, and a lot of like, really, to be honest, it's, it's a lot more negativity at first with the people. Like, I don't think I can do it. I don't want, I probably won't be able to stand. And really that's my job when I come in is like, okay, you don't think you're gonna be able to stand or now we're going to make that happen. No, you are going to be able to stand. Like I brought the right equipment. You're not going to have a problem. Like everything's going to be really easy, but to get them to trust that nothing bad is going to happen to them out there and, and to really believe in um, me to make sure that they have a good experience is I think really important. And that's when, you know, I have to really look at each client and kind of read them from afar or, you know, read them on the phone call or the texts I get and just kind of feel out what type of person they're going to be before I even get them out in the water. So it's a, it, there's a lot more that goes into it on my end. I'm, I don't really think I'm your typical instructor, but there's a lot more that goes into it on my end when I bring a person into the ocean for the first time. I hear you about this therapist thing. You just nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I should have went to college to be a therapist. I might have to go back. I've thought about it. <laughs> just a quick question for you about your surf retreats. I can imagine getting a group of, well, I don't, I don't you take five, six, seven women at a time. What happens at the surf retreats? Oh gosh, yeah, those the surf retreats are so wonderful, and it and it is um, interesting when you put in five to ten people um, on a trip. They've never met each other. They're new to surfing. Some are more advanced than others. 
you know, some are well-traveled. Some people don't get to travel as much because they're, you know, working Monday through Friday, nine to five. You know, there's a lot of personalities and, and planning that goes into setting up a retreat and pairing up the correct people with each other in a room. And then, um, then you're trying to do everything on land to make it perfect. And then you're trying to take that experience and bringing it out in the water and, you know, making sure each person is getting the correct amount of attention um, whether it's from me or from one of my other instructors or just it, there's a lot that goes on putting on a retreat. And it, it really does come down to like the experience and the personalities that I'm working with. It's, uh, <laughs> it's not an easy task, but I can tell you so far, it's been pretty amazing. Uh, everyone that's come has had a, a wonderful time, but um, there is a lot of planning that goes into it. But it, the goal is to just give someone a, a completely new experience in life and memories that they can last a lifetime and have friendships that'll kind of, you know, be going on forever after that one week we're together. That's fantastic. Well, there, I hear travel agent in that scenario. <laughs> yeah, you end up doing a little bit of everything. You're a travel agent, you're a therapist, you're a surf instructor. A hand uh, Sometimes you're the chef. Yeah, sometimes you're the, the maid. Um, there, you really wear a lot of feathers in the cap when I put these on. I don't, you know, hire people in, in a whole lot of capacity. So I work really closely with the hotel, the people on land and, you know, making sure just everything's smooth so that when we're there, no one has to worry about anything. And that's just something I personally like when I travel. Like, I don't want to think too much. I, I use that same concept in surfing. I don't want to be stressed out while I'm surfing. I don't want to be stressed out while I'm traveling. I want to make it as smooth as possible. So those, that's the goal with the retreats. Oh, that's brilliant. The hardest part is getting the waves to cooperate in the weather. That one I can't really control. So I have to let people know that, you know, that one's out of my hands. It's so true. People who are, maybe they're just learning to surf or they're, they, they want to. It, you see these films, movies, whatever, and how great the waves are and how beautiful the day is and all this. And in reality, it, you know, maybe 20% of the time we go out, is it really ideal? Yeah, it takes a lot to make everything align perfectly <laughs> with Mother Nature. I always tell people, I'm like, it's not like tennis or, or golf where it's, you just go out there and you can play from 10 to 11 and everything's going to be great and you're going to play your hardest. There's a lot more factors, unfortunately, but that's what makes it, I think, so exciting and so attracting to people. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, you're not just a surfer. Just a surfer doesn't become a Patagonia Surf Ambassador, an ambassador to the United Nations Environmental Safe Campaign the Five Gyres Institute, and Project Save Our Surf. How are you able to take your sport and use it as a platform for these other interests? Did this happen organically or did it evolve? I think my career kind of happened a little bit of both, organically and it evolved. Um, I always told myself that I wanted to, you know, be a professional surfer and then I wanted to take the traditional professional surfing route outside of the box. Um, I wanted to learn as much as I can. I wanted to affiliate myself with the things that I believed in. And I wanted to just kind of expand it than the traditional route. You know, a lot of times it's really easy just to get paid and go surf and, and do what your sponsors want you to do. But to be able to really like give back and work with different nonprofits and charities and help people across the world, like all these other things that I really believed in, I was able to use my surfing career to do my other passions. Um, and that's kind of was my goal from the get-go. I mean, I, I knew I didn't want to really finish college. That wasn't my route. I eventually, at one point, I wanted to go to the Peace Corps. I wanted to travel. So I was able to kind of do a little bit of everything throughout my career, kind of blended into one thing. 
you went to China and surfed a river tidal bore. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, that was a really uh, amazing experience. I um, went to China. I was invited back about 10 years ago for the first time to go surf this tidal bore, which is basically when the sun, moon, and earth perfectly align, it creates a really big tidal swing, which typically happens in September. And uh, the river mouth is so wide. And when the tide comes in so fast, it creates this energy of a wave that funnels up river into the city. And we catch this wave, um, I, I want to say about 20 something miles from the coast. So it takes all this energy from the coastline and funnels up this river and creates this massive wave that bends and turns. And they say it goes up to 30 feet in the air. Then it goes flat at moments. And one section will be like, windy and horrible and the next minute will be like these perfect waves and basically it's like surfing 30 different days in two hours uh, we're on jet skis we have partners um, eventually when I first started doing it I was the first female to go out to surf the tidal bore in China which was a pretty big deal for the Chinese um, it was a big deal for me as well but for the females to to show being active and have this healthy lifestyle it was a it was a big honor to be out there and now they've changed it into a big event where they were kind of prepping for the Olympics to be in China, where we invited, you know, maybe six, seven different countries to come in with partners and compete against each other. So basically we were trying to um, kind of show surfing since surfing's new in the Olympics. And now I get to do water safety out there on the, on the uh, river, just because I know how kind of the river works and, you know, you're going on it and one moment there's an underwater bridge and the next moment there's a boat and then there's stuff floating in it. I mean, it's, it's never ending and it's probably one of the craziest experiences. And I've gone now for about 10 years and every year I go, I'm still blown away at how bizarre this natural phenomenon is. So are you a local there now? Are they saying, Oh, Mary, Mary, <laughs> Hey, welcome back. You know, I wish I could speak Mandarin. I, I could rule the world if I could speak Mandarin. Um, yeah, it is funny. I'm definitely like known out there, especially with all the officials and the Chinese government. Um, it's just so fun to be out there and see how that world operates. It's so different than the United States. And to have them allow, you know, all these surfers from all over the world to come out and surf this wave. It's not, you can't just go and jump in the river and go surf it and you can get arrested for it. So uh, we have to really set it up and work with the government and work with each county to allow us to do what we're doing. It's this really big production. There's a ton of boats. There's a lot of safety boats. Uh, there's a lot of media. And uh, so just to be a part of it and to be the only female doing the water safety now um, is pretty amazing because there's some, there's some talented guys on skis and I'm still, I'm still a, a novice compared to them. <laughs> what an experience and what a great message, like you said, a great message to the women of China that this is possible. Yeah, it's neat. Since then, there's been a few other females now that have surfed it. And now uh, China does have a few female pro surfers that are awesome. They have a, a Chinese surf team now, and uh, hopefully everyone, eventually, if the Olympics happen again, everyone will be able to compete against each other. And I really do think this had a, a really big part of putting uh, surfing in the Olympics. Hey, you inspired it. Good job. <laughs> it took a team, but it, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, um, environmentally speaking, you've done a lot of work with the five gyres. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, the, the five gyres started uh, with, there's a husband and wife team that started this, and it basically was studying plastic pollution in 
uh, different gyre systems in, around the world. So um, I was invited to go study the South Atlantic gyre, um, which was in between Brazil and South Africa. So I was invited to go with a team of scientists um, on this boat to study. We were the first people to go to the South Atlantic gyre, but we were also studying the amount of plastic pollution in these systems. Um, so we spent about uh, 30 something days at sea. Um, it was a super long journey and not an easy crossing. We had three major storms. I was sick the entire time across. Um, and finally we got to this high pressure system where all the currents are kind of running together and that's when you see all the trash floating in the water and the plastic floating in the water. Um, and we were able to take samples all the way across from Brazil to South Africa and kind of to prove the, the density of the trash in these, in these um, currents and where these um, gyres are around the world. So we're the first people to go. It was an incredible experience. I was by far the least educated person on the boat. Um, everyone was phenomenal. I learned so much about plastic, about our oceans, about things we can do to, to prevent polluting you know, the world. And it was just such a great experience. Um, that I'll be so I'm always grateful for that trip that that like opened my eyes to a lot of environmental issues it Must have been so sad to look at this expansive heap of trash on the ocean Yeah, you know, it was it was really interesting. Um, you know, the media plays it out like it's a, a big old island of trash out floating in the middle of the ocean and it's not like that at all it's basically all this trash or this plastic kind of broken down from the Sun and it basically looks like confetti so from, you know, just standing on a boat looking out, you see some big pieces of trash kind of floating by here and there, but it's not how the media portrays it. But say you took a big bucket and put it down, you know, 10 feet down and you pulled it up, there would be confetti everywhere. And that's what the problem is, is, you know, the fish are eating it, then we're eating the fish and then it's ending up in our bloodstreams um, and then ending up with our children and ending up in our future. So um, it was very fascinating to learn how our media portrays things and the difference of <laughs> reality and what is, what really is happening out in our, in our ocean. It's so easy to just, it's, the ocean is so big. It's so easy to um, just kind of go, Oh, well, it's out there. We can't see it. No big deal. But you know, there really is a big problem. So five gyres has done an incredible job kind of um, spreading that word. Yeah, certainly a direct correlation between the plastics, the confetti, feeding the fish, the food chain. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, they actually had thought at one point because I'd spent so much time in the ocean that I would naturally be um, carrying persistent organic pollutants in my body because of the ocean. Um, I never got to do the test for it. It costed a lot of money and unfortunately didn't raise enough to do it. But um, I, I just found that really fascinating that because, you know, as surfers were in the water so much, we could be carrying a lot of these retardants and pollutants, pollutants that are coming off of, you know, the things that we're using every day on land. Oh, that's shocking. Yeah, it was a little shocking for sure. And then if I ever have kids, it would go on to my kids. So yeah, it was, it was like, wow. I mean, the things that we don't know, the things that we, you know, they're not telling us with, you know, all these products and things that we're buying and using and and just here you are, I think you're doing something healthy in the ocean, but, um, you know, things that we don't see sometimes it's just, it's interesting, the knowledge, um, that they taught me out there. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'd prefer ignorance is bliss on that one. That's, <laughs> I know <laughs> sometimes you don't want to know, but, um, yeah, you just, yeah. Sometimes we... you don't want to know, but if there's ways to prevent it, then I think that would be good. <laughs>
you were also a guest of honor at the 2015 Women's Sports Foundation annual event. That's Billie Jean King's foundation, which advocates for funds and educates and promotes women and girls through sports. Now, Billie Jean King is a hero to me, by the way. How are you chosen as a guest of honor and what does one do as a guest of honor? <laughs> Billie Jean King's pretty incredible. Um, I somehow learned about the Women's Sports Foundation, uh, you know, helping helping keep women in sports. And um, I don't know, I somehow got involved in it because I just believed in what they had to offer for young children and our future generations. And I remember seeing this gala that they put on every year and I got the phone call to go be a part of it and be one of the, one of the hundred, you know, athletes around the world that got to represent their sport. And I was completely blown away. I mean, there, I mean, there's some phenomenal female pro servers that should be at this event. And the fact that I was able to go for many years and, and be the only female representing surfing was a huge honor because I'm standing besides my heroes. Like there's so many female athletes there that are incredible. I mean, the Williams sisters that I, I couldn't believe I got to be in line next to them and just all these legends. It was so amazing. Um, you know, surfing is such a smaller sport and now it's just getting to, into the Olympics. I mean, all these girls were carrying their medals and their awards and here I am just this little surfer <laughs> being able to go next to them. Um, but it's a, it was still to this day, it's one of my favorite events to go to. It's, it's in New York. Um, she, Billie Jean King sets it up where now we have conferences, um, up at Morgan Stanley, where we bring in young girls from different colleges and help guide them as they transition out of playing sports and professional sports into careers. And then there's like different activities that we all get to go play together as athletes. And, um, and then you get to go and get dressed up with all these amazing girls. They have hair and makeup and, you know, everyone's in gowns and, um, the event has the biggest like companies in the world sponsoring each table. Um, I mean, I've never been to such an extravagant event and met some incredible people from athletes to CEOs to sponsors. I mean, just in the supporters, the amount of people, male and female that are at this event, supporting women in sport and supporting our future generation is like nothing I've ever been to. <laughs> it was pretty neat. I hope I get to go forever. <laughs> so inspiring. Yeah, I, she's Billie Jean King and her team of people. I mean, there's a, a long list of incredible women that have been supporting that foundation, but I'm just so glad I get to be a part of it and to be able to, to give back to these next generations. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, just going back to, to everything that you do, look, yes, surfing is one of it, but everything that it's rolled into, you know, environmentalism, um, you know, businesswoman, you've started a business called Solimar Tanning Salon, is that right? Yep, Sully Martin. It ends up saying uh, like sun and beach in Spanish. <laughs> and that's just a side hustle? You know, I started that. Um, it was like a spray tan business that I started 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Um, yeah, it was just a little side business because I knew it was like up and coming and it was healthier for people than being in the sun and getting skin cancer. And I had known a lot of people that had skin cancer. And at the time, um, there was nothing around the area. And here I was doing all these photo shoots and things. And I mean, I hate to say this, but like as a female, you don't really want to be butt white when you're getting a, getting a photo shoot done. It's never that fun. You kind of need a, some bronze at times. So I started that business. Um, at one point I had three different locations running and, uh, it was just super fun to start something from scratch that I know nothing about. And I, you know, I don't know that beauty industry at all. And so I really was able to learn a lot about a different industry. 
I was working with a chemist to create my own products. I mean, it was just, it was a really fun side project that kind of took off. Um, now in 2020, you know, spray tanning's everywhere, but um, I could definitely say at the beginning of it, I was definitely one of the first people in our area to, to, uh, to get it rolling. So it's fun. I still do it. I still spray some of my friends. I still have clients, um, but I don't have my salon anymore, but um, I definitely, it, I'll, I'll be honest too, it helped through a lot of different sponsorships too when I needed money, you know, to have your own business and not have to rely on, on your sponsors at times is pretty important. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, it's like you're paddling into a huge wave. You don't know how the wave is going to end, but you're going for it. Yeah, I just, everyone thought I was crazy when I started that little side business. And I think I started it on a pretty low budget. It was like under 5,000 bucks and I made that back in like three weeks. So it was, it was pretty awesome, <laughs> but it was so fun. And I met some great people through it. And even today I have some of the coolest clients that call me that need spray tans for these big events. I mean, I've sprayed celebrities. I sprayed my random friends. I sprayed my parents. Like it, it was just a fun, fun business to have on the side. You were a TV presenter for a, a little bit. Is that right? Yeah. When I, I've all, like, I really always wanted to be a TV presenter. I was going to school to study communications and broadcasting at UCSB. And, um, I, when I got into surfing and was able to surf professionally, I dropped out of school and started getting interviewed a lot by different, um, TV hosts and different TV programs. And, uh, I was, I started to get to know the people at Fox sports. So I basically went straight into the office and told the, the head producer there that I wanted to start commentating and hosting. And before I knew it, I was hosting a different TV show called five, four, three, two, one. And, uh, it was amazing. I couldn't believe it that that was my first gig on Fox sports. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. You know, so it, it's guts. You've got guts. Yeah, I figured, I don't know, what, they're just going to turn you down. If, and if they say no, then there's another route. Or maybe it wasn't the right route to be on anyways. So I always tell people, like, just go for it. Try it. What, I mean, what do you have to lose? If you want to do something in life, give it a go. Put yourself out there. You know, eliminate the middleman. Just try to get it done. And if the world shuts you down, then try a different path. <laughs> well said. <laughs> so what's on your life bucket list a surf spot or a business venture or you know what what's next oh my gosh well I'll be totally honest with you I just jumped out of a helicopter and got proposed to on the side of a helicopter this weekend <laughs> yeah. wait did you say yes <laughs> of course I said yes <laughs> yeah so that was on a bucket list jumping out of a helicopter well now um, oh my god I can't yeah. believe this this is so exciting yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, I finally met an incredible man, and um, I would say that would probably be my next adventure, kind of spending it with him. And uh, he comes from a stunt background, so there's never a dull moment. And I never thought in a million years I'd be jumping out of the side of a helicopter in Catalina and having all my friends on boats below me. So that was a, a pretty incredible experience this weekend. <laughs> oh, my so God. I don't I'm still in shock. <laughs> Wait, you've got to post this because listeners, they've got to see this. I'm looking at it now. He's on, the helicopter's in the air. There's a picture of him on one knee. He's wearing flip-flops, by the way. <laughs> and there you are looking at him through the door and he's out on the railing of this helicopter and it's God knows how many feet above the ocean. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty scary when I looked down. I just thought he was jumping to go because that's what he does. You know, he just does crazy stuff all the time. But then I didn't believe it until there was a floaty on my wedding ring. 
And he said, here you go, you're coming with me. And I went, what? And then the pilot, they said to tell me, no, those are your friends in those boats down there. I'm like, it is? So um, there's never a dull moment dating the stuntman. <laughs> what did he say? Will you take the plunge with me? Exactly. That's no, exactly no, how really? <laughs> yeah, that's how it went. <laughs> so he's been, uh, he's been really fun. Uh, just, you know, even being with him has opened up such new doors to, to movies and stunt world. And um, that's a whole nother side business that's just been so fun to, to learn about through, through my fiance. <laughs> Unbelievable. I am just thrilled beyond measure. And I'm going to circle back with you in a year and you're going to tell me all these phenomenal things that you've done. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to top that one. But um, I don't know how this guy put together boats, uh, planes, helicopters, golf carts, motorcycles, all in one day. It was unbelievable. But I guess that's what you get when you, <laughs> you date a, wild, a more wild person than me. <laughs> well, you just got to tell him, hey, you try setting up a surf retreat. Exactly. Exactly. He put the ultimate retreat together for me. Oh, Mary, that's fabulous. Well, this is awesome. I thank you so much for your words of encouragement and wisdom and inspiration for everyone to go surf and keep surfing and surfing for life. Thank you so much. This is so awesome. I can't wait to hear all these amazing women that you're, that you're interviewing. It's awesome to be a part of it. They're lining up. I really appreciate it, Mary. And um, I'll be in touch anyway. So we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Allie. <laughs> Bye. Bye.